Hello listeners, and welcome pilots and non-pilots alike to George Has the Wheel. I'm your host, Carson Wagner, and today on our podcast, we're discussing spatial disorientation, accidents that have happened because of it, and what we as pilots can do to combat it. George Has the Wheel starts right now. Hey guys, Carson here. So like I said in the intro, we're going to be discussing spatial disorientation in this episode. But before you get to your episode, I want to take a moment to thank all my listeners on YouTube who have gone and subscribed and liked and commented and um, it helps me out a lot when you subscribe and like and comment. So I'm asking you today to go and listen and watch my videos on my YouTube channel, the official YouTube channel of George Has the Wheel. The link's going to be down in the description, or you can just go to YouTube and type in George Has the Wheel in the search bar. And I'm asking you to please not just watch the videos without subscribing. Um, and I, I'm asking you to watch the videos and subscribe, because it helps me out a lot and it means a lot to me. So guys, go check out my YouTube channel, watch my videos, and please subscribe. Thanks, and I'll let you get back to your episode. Hey guys, what's up? Carson here. So, uh, like I said, don't forget to go check out my YouTube channel, like and subscribe, and um, let's get started talking about spatial disorientation. So what exactly is spatial disorientation? Spatial disorientation is just a, and I'm going to call it SD because I'm going to, I know I'm going to stumble at some point. I know myself well enough to know I'm going to stumble at some point. So I'm going to shorten, I'm just going to call it SD. Um, it's a long word, it's a long name because it's two, let, it's two words. So SD is basically when you get confused and mixed up in the air. It typically happens in IFR in the middle of a cloud or in the middle of fog um, when you're flying under IFR conditions. And even for pilots with an instrument rating, um, is even pilots with IFR ratings uh, have you know accidents. In fact, these two accidents I'm going to read off to you, I believe um, both of them, yes, both of them is both of them are IFR, both of them are IFR certified. I'm gonna talk about two accidents and uh, read the descriptions to you. And both of these pilots are IFR certified, and both of them and their passengers lost their lives, unfortunately, because they flew into IMC conditions and either something went wrong with the aircraft or they did something wrong, and as a result, they became spatially disoriented and or SD'd and it you know it, it ended badly so the definition of spatial disorientation is it's the inability of a pilot to correctly interpret aircraft attitude altitude or airspeed in relation to the earth or other points of reference so uh, this is a very important thing for me because I have a uh, I have a very, it's it's rare among kids. It's very, it's rare among uh, children. I have a uh, vertigo problem, so I'll have vertigo. Uh, I've had it for like the last three years, and as a result, if I don't find a way to fix it, 
I will not be able to get my pilot's license. It's automatically, Vertigo is automatically disqualifying for any type of medical certificate or pilot's license. Um, I believe it's anywhere, like at any time. So if I don't get that fixed, I'm going to have a real problem. So that's that's something I have to do. So this spatial disorientation is is uh, important to me because as soon as you get vertigo, I have to shut my eyes. And even if it's a even if it's a um, if even if it's a weak case of vertigo, I still have to shut my eyes. Um, and I you know at the very bottom level, I could probably keep my eyes open. But even if I did, I would everything would be spinning and I'd be spatially disoriented. I couldn't keep the aircraft upright. That obviously be a real problem. That's why the FAA and the uh, oh ICAO, ICAO um, ban you know anybody with vertigo from uh, becoming a pilot. So I've got to find out a way to fix that. It's just an example though. So I'm gonna talk to you about these two accidents um, and both these accidents. The pilots were IFR certified flying into IMC conditions. So before I continue, I want to note an instrument rating is no guarantee of survival when instrument conditions prevail. It's also important to remember that spatial disorientation cannot match the most experienced pilots, even in the absence of malfunctioning equipment. However, the high percentage of accidents caused by mechanical failures does indicate a widespread inability to fly the aircraft by partial panel. Instrument rated pilots are required to be par par proficient in partial panel flying, and these accidents that I'm about to talk uh, talk about indicate why pilots need to be proficient um, in partial panel. So during an IFR in VMC uh, cross country from Pontiac, Michigan to Providence, Rhode Island, the pilot of a Mooney M20J was contacted by controllers and told he was going the wrong way. The pilot reported he had lost his vacuum system, and ATC notified him he would encounter IMC en route, but the pilot elected to continue to his destination about 180 miles away. I'm going to stop there and say for a second, as soon as something goes wrong with the aircraft, you need to stop. It needs, it needs, the aircraft needs to be stopped, stopped immediately, and um, as soon as it is, it, if you're on the ground, you need to stop it. If you're in the air, you need to turn around like this guy was in IMC and he had a vacuum failure. Um, you need to get out of IMC quickly. You need to find a place with clear skies. If you can't do that, you need to land as fast as you can because any type of aircraft, uh, sorry, any type of failure on the aircraft is or can be fatal. And uh, I have an example, um, which I, I was taking off on my last lesson and the plane started shaking and there was a burnt smell in the cockpit. My air, my flight instructor aborted the takeoff and he, you know, wrenched the controls out of my hand and aborted the takeoff and I didn't do my flight lesson that day. And normally we would have, normally uh, the, I swerved right before it started shaking a little because I'm still getting used to taxiing. It still got me, that's, that's been the hardest part of flight training so far. Um, and so right before I swerved um, the I mean right after I swerved it started it started shaking so I think that's why it the airplane was shaking just because the wheels caught the runway the wrong way and I was going about 40 miles an hour but the burnt smell was a was a problem because that meant there was exhaust in the cabin both the cabin doors were shut the cabin was sealed that means there was a probably a leak through the control panel and that brings to mind um, carbon monoxide issues and we didn't have a carbon monoxide detector in the cockpit so that would that might have turned out fatal
literally that that could have very quickly turned out fatal um and my instructor was wise in aborting the takeoff he assessed the situation within about three seconds and realized it was it was uh, it would be dangerous to continue the takeoff and he aborted it so that's the kind of split seconds decisions you need to be able to make as a pilot because like what this person did deciding to continue on that is not something you should that's a decision you could you should very rarely ever make when you have a failure um, you should rarely ever make that decision for multiple reasons. Um, the first being safety first. You're in an aircraft 5,000 feet above the ground. I mean, there's so many things that can go wrong, and um, most of them, if they're fatal, end in a fireball. Um, not trying to sound gruesome or anything, but unfortunately, that's you have to you have to always put safety first, like my instructor did that day. So... Um, a the oh wait the second reason I forgot the second reason that you shouldn't turn back is that wherever your destination is going it's not worth it this is called there's a condition that's called uh, get there idedness and it's uh, it's kind of a joke among pilots because pilots will have such a strong urge to continue to their destination they'll ignore the warning signs of an accident or an incident and continue on like this pilot did um, and. So the pilot elected to continue to his destination, and about it was about 180 miles away. It was Providence, Rhode Island. During a no-gyro approach to the localizer in IMC, the pilot became spatially disoriented and reported to the controllers, we just lost it. That was the last transmis transmission from the aircraft. The resulting crash, unfortunately, killed the pilot and his passenger. passenger. The dry air vacuum pump had been replaced about two years before, and accumulated approximately 570 hours of use under the manufacturer's recommended replacement time of 700 hours or three years of service, whichever came first. Um, and that was that was just a crash turned wrong. The pilot ignored the warning signs that his you know he had lost his gyro. So as soon as you lose your gyro, you are I mean if I lost my gyro in IMC, I would be terrified. Um, you have no way of knowing whether you're upside down, left, right. And the thing about spatial disorientation is it one of the things it does, it, me it messes with your brain and uh, gets rid of the seat of the pants flying. So seat of the pants flying is the feeling you know you have when you feel the G-force when you go into a bank, say. Um, seat of the pants flying means you feel that G-force, and uh, it's something that you can most of the time rely on, but in this case, in, like with a lost gyro, spatial disorientation can mess with your brain and sometimes you can't rely on uh, things like see your pants flying, um, especially in IMC, because your brain, your, you know, your nerves will be telling you you're upside down and your brain will be saying something different and your brain almost always wins. Um, so, you know, it's... you. It's really something that you have to watch out for. Um, you really have to watch out for it because it can turn very bad very quickly. So moving on to our next accident. It was after a late day business meeting, a pilot called flight service and requested an abbreviated briefing for a trip back to Oklahoma City from Duncan, Oklahoma. The weather briefer asked the pilot if he could go IFR, and the pilot responded, I don't want to, but I guess I can if I have to. The briefer informed the pilot that IMC was moving towards his destination from the west, and after the call, the pilot and his colleagues 
skipped dinner, and went directly to the airport. At uh, 2017 UTC, the pilot contacted ATC and reported he'd just left Duncan when he was trying to maintain visual conditions. At 2019, he requested a, an IFR clearance. The instrument clearance was issued at 2020. At 2024, the pilot radioed ATC and said, I have uh, a vacuum problem and a uh, panel situation here, so I, I'm going to be go a little limited on being able to talk to you. End quote. Soon after, radio contact was lost. The C-182 crashed in an uncontrolled descent, killing the pilot and two passengers. Examination of the flight instruments found the gyro bearings for the turn and bank gyro were heavily corroded and bore no evidence of recent rotation, which is very interesting. So you remember back at the beginning um, when the pilot said, uh, I don't want to, when he was asked if he could go IFR, the pilot said, I don't want to, but I guess I can if I have to. Um, that indicates the pilot had not flown IFR for a very long time, and that's why he never noticed that his gyro uh, bearings were corroded and um, rusted and bore no evidence of recent action. If he had gone IFR in, you know, through a cloud or into IMC before, that would have um, given Ian, he, he would have noticed his gyro wasn't working. That would have saved his life. Um, so that brings up another issue, which is staying current. Um, and I'll talk about that in a different episode. But I, I would recommend when you can to do things like IFR because it like like that say your gyro was rusted and corroded and um, you were going to need it it was going to be absolutely essential to an upcoming flight um, you didn't know it yet though and so you have a chance to do IFR I would I would go ahead and do it because you need to make sure everything's properly working in the aircraft remember this is the machine holding you up at uh, you know thousands of feet up in the air you need to make sure it's working um, you really do. So, unfortunately, both those pilots and their passengers died. The first one, it was pilot error. He should have turned around, and that was his mistake. The second one, um, it was also pilot error, um, it, because he hadn't used his gyro for so long that eventually it became rusted and corroded. Um, that also indicates the aircraft might not have been used for a long time, because a lot of gyros will still work, are still used even in um, VFR. So, and I'm going to quickly explain those terms I just used, like all those terms I just used, like IFR and VFR and IMC and vacuum and stuff like that, and uh, then our episode will be over. Okay, so we'll start with the first term, and you've probably heard me say this before, but IFR, or Instrument Flight Rules, is one of two sets of regulations governing all aspects of civil aviation, aircraft operations, and the other is visual flight rules. Basically, IFR just, um, IFR basically is, while visual flight rules means you, you must stay clear of all clouds and VMC and icing, uh, I, IFR allows you to fly through those things, which is a, typically a more direct route to your destination. Our next term is VMC. So in aviation, it stands for Visual Meteorological Conditions. It's an aviation flight category in which visual flight rules flight is permitted. Uh, that is conditions in which pilots have sufficient visibility to, pl to fly the aircraft 
maintaining visual separation from terrain and other aircraft. Um, and so that's VMC. Then the aircraft vacuum system. So the engine-driven pump sucks air through the system and the air flows in from the inlet filter normally located under your instrument panel directly into the inlet ports behind the artificial horizon and the directional gyro um, then the ILS localizer the int the instrument landing system sorry ILS yes ILS stands for instrument landing system I believe the localizer is basically it's a radio tower that generates and radiate signals to provide final approach azimuth navigation information to landing aircraft. The antenna sends a VHF carrier signal with 90 um, hertz and 150 hertz sideband signals that the aircraft instruments determine as left and right of the center line. So I already explained what the aircraft vacuum pump is. So then we our last two terms are ATC and VFR. ATC is air traffic control. Um, and then VFR stands for Visual Flight Rules, which I already said a little bit about. So guys, this is the end of our episode, but before you go, I want you to go to YouTube, and like I said, uh, watch my videos, and like them, and subs please subscribe to my channel. It helps me out a lot, and means a lot to me if you do. Also guys, please send me in some suggestions. Shoot me uh, an email at georgehasthewheel7500 at gmail.com. That email is going to be down in the description, or call me, and my number is also going to be down in the description. It's a uh, phone. It's uh, phone only because it's a uh, house phones, no text, no texting. But don't forget to go check out my site, and please go support me on Patreon if you want to hear this podcast improved, uh, the music get better, and my audio recording quality is very good right now. But I can't uh, upgrade any of those things unless you go and get a Patreon membership and start supporting this podcast. And uh, my first patron will receive free merch. Um, so go sign up before anybody else, anybody else does and get some free George Has the Wheel merch. Also, guys, I know I haven't included an Audible ad in this episode, but still, go get your Audible free trial. Audible's awesome. It's got all these great audiobooks and podcasts, including my podcast and... Uh, guided wellness and a bunch of other things like that so like i said guys uh hope you enjoyed this episode this is carson wagner signing out